I'll begin this morning with a confession. I have never... Am I good now? I have never seen the movie The Ten Commandments. But even though I've never seen the movie, I've at least seen that visual image and picture of Charles... uh, Charleston Heston? Charleston? There you go. It's, you know, a totally unknown name for such a young person as myself. (laughs) I have an 11-year-old, so I'm reminded daily that I'm old. But, you know, I still can visualize that image that I've seen on posters. Um, The memorabilia from that movie was epic. And after doing a brief read through this week on various websites about what all it took to create that movie. I actually want to watch it, even though I hear it's three and a half hours long. (laughs) But I can only imagine today, knowing the story, what our cinematography could create, the imagery that we could draw. From this text. Moses is one of those epic stories. Moses is one of those names where even if you know nothing else about Moses, you know the name Moses. You know nothing more than that's probably a man that lived long enough to have a glorious white beard. You at least know the name Moses. As we've been going through, we've already seen how miraculous the life of Moses is, how he survived that infant genocide. How a bush that was on fire talked. To him. Because that's how God sometimes has to get our attention. And we're sitting here with this text today. And what you need to know is before, long before Moses was ever born, the Egyptians enslaved the Israelites. Approximately 430 years of slavery. To the point that not only can no one in the Israelite community remember what life is like outside of slavery, they don't even have parents or grandparents that can remember what life was like outside of slavery. Think of the traditions that we have, as silly as they may be, how to make breakfast that belongs to your heritage. What about Thanksgiving meals? We all have our own silly traditions. Some of them might be pizza, some of them might be meatloaf, some might be the original turkey. Original. But we each have our tradition on how we do things. When you're enslaved, you don't get those privileges. 
And so here we have these people. And these Israelites, this isn't some small group of people that they can easily draw in our storybook Bible to easily tell our kids this. There was an estimated 600,000 Israelite men during this time, plus women and children, which they're estimating 2.1 million Israelites that were enslaved. That's a large group of people. It's no wonder that we've sat here and seen these horrific plagues that went through Egypt. And Pharaoh sitting there seeing all of these people that were able bodies to work for him for free, other than him feeding them and protecting them. It's no wonder he didn't want to let them go. It's no wonder that he kept saying no. Because to him, that's a silly and crazy idea. These people have been slaves for 430 years. What else are they going to do? And then in a moment of weakness for Pharaoh, after his son dies, he says, you know, enough is enough. Go. Take them. If you think you can do better, if you can really take care of these people, if you can teach them everything they need to know, then go ahead, try. And Moses actually takes them. And they start and they leave. And this pillar of cloud, as they call it, I imagine I, I went to, I did my undergrad in Nashville, and there's a replica of the Parthenon that's there. And the Parthenon is surrounded by these huge columns, these huge pillars. And they're so large that a whole group of you could try to put your arm around, it's that big, all around these pillars. And they're enormous. You have to do one of those step backs to try to look all the way up. They're so tall. And this pillar of God, I imagine being something like that. Something that's so tall that people for miles can see it. For these Israelites, those pillars of God that were there, the pillar of cloud, which in my, I'm 37, so in my time period, in my generation, I sit here and think of uh, weird things like not just smoke from like a campfire going up, but like a whole fog machine, you know. And if you've ever been anywhere where there's a fog machine, I used to have to help with homecoming dances in Texas. And um, we one time got a new DJ that brought his new fog, fog machine. And oh my heavens, it got to a point where he couldn't see anybody. He hadn't figured out how to work it yet. If you've ever seen those, you can start turning on those fog machines, those smoke machines, and just billows out. And you can see them for a long way. And I imagine that that's what that pillar looks like during the, during the day when the sun is out. And this pillar, as it moved, the Israelites moved with it. 
And when it stopped, the Israelites stopped. And at night, there was a pillar of light. Some of you that think extraterrestrial like movies are fun, you might be thinking of some, you know, E.T. beam of light that's shooting down. Some of you might be thinking of a fire glow. Some of you might be thinking of lightsabers. I don't know that just came to my mind. But you think of these things that, that radiate light. Because during the night, they were still able to follow God, day or night. By day, with the smoke. By night, by the light. So it was bright enough to where they could walk and be able to see where they're going. That's pretty bright. So they're following Moses. They're following God's presence. These pillars that stood between them and the Egyptians. And they get to this one point, I imagine they've been walking for a very long time. And the pillar stops. And they decide to make camp and to sleep and rest. And on one side of them is the sea, and the other side, forest and hillsides. And they set up camp, and Moses, being kind of like some of us, kind of like myself, we don't fully trust people all the time. <coughs> and with someone like Pharaoh, you certainly have trouble trusting. <clears throat> so here Moses is, people are setting up camp, and he's still not trusting. They're still not far enough away to where he trusts that Pharaoh's really going to let all of these people go. And he's kind of watching out. Because that's what leaders do. And then he thinks he hears something. And imagine him looking up. And from the farthest hill, you see people on horseback. You see a chariot stop. As at the bottom of the hill, they can see all of the Israel. The Israelites, I can only imagine if they saw the moment that Moses saw that Pharaoh's army was coming back to get them. I can only imagine them sitting there in their heads going, why did you bring us out here to die? Why did you bring us out here only to have to go back? Where are we to go? If they go forward, they're just going to run right into them. They can't go back. None of them were taught kitty swim lessons. They know if they go out into that sea, they're dead. They're trapped. And Moses listening to God, although I can imagine... Moses probably had some words for God at first of, 
What is this? How can you do this? I trusted you. Look at all of these people. We're here. And he lifts up his hands. That staff, that scene from the Ten Commandments that is burned into our imaginations, into our brains. And the waters shoot apart with wind. And the pillar of light begins to continue on. And I don't know if it's just for lack of knowing what else to do. Or if these people, these Israelites, actually trust God by now. But they begin to follow that pillar. And that light leads them through this windy gust of sea. Pharaoh's people, they stop on the shoreline. And they wait to hear what to do next. They're told, go. Get the people. Bring them back as my slaves. Kill them if you need to. And they begin to walk out where the sea had parted. Only it was no longer dry land for them. It was muddy and sticky. Their chariots were getting stuck. They couldn't see exactly where they were going. As they continued on as they could, I can't help but think of the Israelites. Did they get to a point? They're, they're walking all night. After a long day of walking, they're walking all night. They don't get to the other side until dawn. I can't help but wonder if they can see where they're going from this pillar of light. Can they see? What's inside these waters? I love the image of Moana that's on your bulletin cover. You can see the coral reef, the animals, the fish on either side. I imagine they had seen a lot of these animals. But yet, the beauty of these animals, I wonder if they couldn't help but notice while they were walking on In the Red Sea, there's over a thousand species of fish. There's over 150 species of coral reef. There's sea turtles. There's manatees. There are beautiful lionfish that you usually just see on exhibits in aquariums. There are even clownfish like Nemo for you kids. I can only imagine both the Israelites getting to look out at the sea life, but also how confusing that had to be for the sea life to have all these Israelites trekking through. When they were all on the other side of the shore safe. 
God told Moses to lift his hands back up. And the sea closed back. The winds that were blowing it apart died down. And as our choir sang, Pharaoh's army was grounded. It sounds like a horrible story. Even after knowing that they were enslaving millions for hundreds of years. Our stories aren't always pretty. And sometimes we feel so enslaved by the things that we think control us that we sometimes feel like we have no other choice, that we can't, we can't make life any different. I imagine a lot of the Israelites feeling that way. They had no vision of what life looked like other than being a slave to Pharaoh. I imagine how easy it would have been as they're sitting there walking days and nights, how easy it would have been when that pillar started back moving to say, you know what, I don't want to follow it anymore. I'm tired. My feet hurt. I've had a bad day. There's nothing good to eat here. I don't want to go anymore. Because sometimes being enslaved, even though you know how bad it is, looks better than reaching out forward to something that's unknown. But God has this miraculous way Every time the Israelites start to disbelieve, to give up, he shows them something else, something new to restore their faith. To restore their faith, not only in God, but in community and humanity and each other in themselves. Good people, there's always a way to follow God's calling. There's always a way out from the bondage that we find ourselves in. It looks thrilling when you see escape things. Um, I love the image in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark where Harrison Ford's running from the boulder. Narrowly escapes. I love even the surprise ones, like in Shawshank Redemption, where he, he escapes behind the movie poster. I even love the silly ones, like Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and he got away with it. <laughs> Are the Goonies, and they narrowly escape. It's silly. But those escapes, they seem so thrilling and fun. We even, some of us, uh, I have not yet, but I imagine at some point in my life, if they continue on, I probably will. Some of us have even gone to those escape rooms where we pay somebody to 
keep us in this room for 60 minutes unless we can figure out through puddle, puddle, there I go again, puzzles and riddles how to get out of the room. We think it's fun, mainly because we've never been in a situation where it's actually been real. And for some reason, we don't look at the realities of our entrapments the same way we do physical entrapments. Different people have different issues that they're struggling with. Some might have depression. Some might be going through divorce or relationship troubles. Some might take no pleasure in their work whatsoever and just kind of feel like they're mindlessly going about each day in their life. Some might feel addicted to food. Some might feel addicted to shopping. <coughs> Whatever it is that enslaves you, know there is a way out. There is freedom. There is a way to escape. Because God always, time and time again, shows us these people that are enslaved. These people that need community, that need love, that need freedom. And God always delivers that freedom. Sometimes it requires us following God's call to weird places like out in the middle of the sea when we don't even know how to swim. Sometimes all we have to do is listen to God. Allow others to help us so that we are community together. Because we are God's people. Let us follow God wherever God calls us. Amen. And I hear that we know the this our next song that we know the hymn to it. Travis can sing you those songs. So uh, once it starts playing, even though I don't think we've sung this song in a while, um, you'll at least know the melody and the rhythm. <laughs> 